The text for the sermon this day is taken from the gospel lesson, which was read to you a little bit ago. Grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. He's got the whole world in his hand. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. All right. I think, some, I think you know that song. So, you've all heard, many of us have heard that song in Sunday school or vacation Bible school or wherever, some point in our life, we came across it. That God has the whole world in his hands. Which makes today's text all the more remarkable. Back on December 25th, Christmas Day, we had there every single day, every single year on Christmas Day, we hear the exact same gospel lesson. John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then you jump down a few verses, and it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. God, who is the Word, became flesh and dwelt among us. That is in the very same gospel from which we heard earlier. In John chapter 13, the one who is the word, the one who is, the, who is God, behold that man. The one who has the whole world in his hands. In the text, he has water and a towel in his hand. Now, I don't know... I know many of you work in barns and work on the farm, but I'm going to go on a li- out on a limb and guess that most of you, many, those of you who do probably do not wear sandals when you're out doing chores. And so, but just let's hypothetically say that one of you did decide to wear sandals. So you walked around in mud and dirt in manure, whatever, all stuff you could find. Now, think if you went up to your most, the most beloved person in your house, whether it be a sibling, a parent, a wife, or a spouse, ask them if they would like to get down on their knees and wash it. They probably wouldn't want to do that even without the sandal part of it. But that is what Jesus did. They weren't, obviously they weren't going around in a barn, but they didn't have boots. They didn't exist yet. They had sandals. And where they walked, it was dirty. There was not, there weren't any paved roads. It was dirty, it was filthy, and sometimes, yes, they might walk in manure. And so here... The one who has the whole world in his hands, with his hands, takes water, takes the towel that was around his waist, gets down on his knees, and he begins to wash his disciples' filthy, dirty, possibly manure-covered feet. Well, the way Peter reacted makes a lot of sense. 
He said, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what I am doing, you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. If we were in Peter's shoes, I think most of us would be saying the same thing. Peter was, if you read throughout the Gospels, Peter is the one that tends to speak. Very likely the other disciples were looking at this, thinking it, Peter was the one that said something. Because this job of washing feet, that was reserved for the lowest of servants. Most definitely not for, the, for a rabbi, for the Lord, and especially not for Christ, the Son of the living God, as Peter confessed him. And yet there he is, washing their feet. Jesus gives them a new commandment. There's a reason why traditionally today is called Maundy Thursday. It comes from the Latin word mandata, which means mandate or commandment. In all three readings, we have a commandment. In the Old Testament reading, you read the Old Testament commandments revolving around the Passover feast. In the, the epistle lesson, you read about the commandment to receive the Lord's Supper. In today's, in the gospel lesson, you have a new commandment. To love one another as Jesus has loved you. Now, somebody might hear that and say, how is that a new commandment? Didn't Jesus previously, when he was asked, what is the greatest commandment, he said, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, strength, with all your mind. And he said the second greatest commandment is what? Anybody know? All right, good. We, we know stuff. So, we lo love your neighbor as yourself. So, but the thing is, Jesus was quoting Deuteronomy. So clearly, that is a pretty old commandment. So how can this be a new commandment? Well... The key, the, the key is in the details. Jesus did not tell you, did not say to love your neighbor as yourself. He actually elevated the commandment and made it even harder. He said to love one another as I have loved you. That is harder than loving your neighbor as yourself. How has Jesus loved Right there, right then, they're getting about a taste of it. They are seeing the one who was, Jesus was in the heavenly realms. He was being worshipped and adored by angels. And yet he gave it all up. He is the one to be worshipped and yet he gave it up. And now at that very moment he is there on his hands and his knees washing the feet of his disciples. And what's more is in the next 24 hours, they're going to see even more the extent of what this means. In chapter 15, he will, get, he will tell them that greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. For Jesus himself, later in, within those 24 hours, he would be betrayed. And think about the ones that he's washing the feet of, 
the one, that he's washing all this filth, one of them is going to betray him. One of them is going to deny him and say, I don't know who he is. I've never met the man. The rest of them, disciples, are going to abandon him. Do you recognize the irony in that? It's ir- the irony of disciples abandoning? The word disciple literally means follower. It means literally physically they followed their teacher wherever he went so they could hear everything he said. That's how, that's how school used to be done. You didn't get, go in classrooms. You actually would walk all around town. You could go walk up to Senex or Zimmy's and you'd be sitting there listening to the teacher while he's teaching you. That's how they did it. But they literally followed. What did the disciples do? They fled. The exact opposite of what disciples are supposed to do. And yet there he is, washing their feet. The same people who later, when Jesus would rise from the dead, they wouldn't believe it. He told them over and over again, I'm going to die and on the third day rise from the dead. Nobody believed it. Even after the women said, we saw him risen, still didn't believe it. Those same people, Jesus is washing their feet. And it's those same people that he was going to the cross for, that he would be betrayed by. When, they betrayed, when Judas betrayed him, when Peter denied him, When the disciples abandoned him, he was going to the cross to make payment for every single one of their sins. Every single moment of their rebellion. And you see that command that Jesus gave, that you are to love one another as he has loved you. Now this is a bit of a confirmation question. Is that law or is that gospel? Hint, it's a commandment, which is law. Yes, it's law. Now, if you remember also from confirmation, there are three uses of the law. Now, the first use of the law is actually kind of out the window for this. Because the commandment he's giving is only for Christians. But the th- so the third use of the law definitely applies. That this is how, as Christians, you are to be. You are to love one another as Jesus has loved you. That means you are to love your enemy. You are to love the one who you have the most difficulty dealing with. You have to love everyone as Christ loved you. In other words, think of that person that that absolutely frustrates you the most. And remember... You have to be willing to die for them. That is how Jesus loved you. You have to be willing to get down on your hands and feet and wash their dirt, manure-covered feet. That is the love he is commanding, which is where the second use of the law always, always comes in. Anybody remember what the second use of the law is? The mirror. It shows us our sin. When you hear that words that you are to love as Christ has loved you, 
I guarantee it, if you are being honest, every single one of us feel a little bit nervous hearing that. Actually very nervous. Because we know we don't do it. We're not even close. We don't even love those who are in our own families like that. But this is Christ's measure. Which is why when Peter says, Lord, when he says, you shall never wash my feet, Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. See what Peter was getting a little bit of a foreshadowing of was baptism. In the waters of baptism, you are washed. Washed in the blood of the Lamb. Made holy, righteous, forgiven of every single sin that had ever been committed to that point and ever will be committed. You are, you are labeled and named as his beloved child. Every time you hear his word proclaimed to you, that is the forgiveness of sins given to you. Your faith is strengthened and you receive life. Tonight, in a little bit, you will receive the body and blood of Jesus in, with, and under the bread and wine for the forgiveness of sins. A meal that is an incredible mystery, but an incredible riches beyond any measure, beyond anything that this world could ever give. Because the reality is, as we live through this world, we live through the climate of this world. I mean, seriously, look at the way people are treating each other. Even people who are Christians. We need to be in God's word more and more and more. We receive his sacrament as often as we can. It was very interesting was this afternoon. We've been doing chapel services right next door every day during Holy Week. And I happened to read something from Luther's large catechism which I don't know if you realize this, but Luther's large catechism, if you are a member of this congregation, you, you have confessed to agreeing to what is written in there, because it is in our Constitution. So, in, that, in the large catechism, he says that if someone is not regularly receiving, is not receiving the Lord's Supper, or is going a long time without it, he actually, he says that they are no Christian. That's really harsh. He doesn't say this because if you don't it's not the not receiving the supper that is condemning, but rather the not receiving the Lord's Supper is a symptom of a lack of faith. Because in the bread, in the wine, is the forgiveness of sins. In the bread, in the wine, you're going to hear, you hear it in the post-communion prayer. We pray that you would, he would strengthen us to fervent love for one another. In the Lord's Supper, we are strengthened to love one another as Christ has loved us, even a little bit. In the Lord's Supper, we are strengthened 
to serve one another, to love one another, to serve our Lord. We live in a world where the devil is constantly trying to attack us, constantly trying to destroy our faith, and constantly trying to drag us down. I don't know about you, but I live in a... For me, I can see there is so many points where you're stressed, you're pulled against, you're struggling with one another, with others. And I don't know about you, but I am a dirty, rotten sinner. And the thing is, is it does, it's none of us, I never stop. Neither do you. We are always struggling with that sinful nature. When we don't receive the Lord's Supper, we're saying, Lord, I am not a sinner. I don't need your forgiveness. I don't need your bloody sacrifice. Literally. In the Lord's Supper, you receive God's grace. You receive forgiveness and the strengthening of your faith to stand and love one another, even your deepest enemy, just as Christ has loved us. Because remember, God showed his love for us in that while you were still sinners, Christ died for you. While you were still his enemy, he died for you. May that be our love. And for the times we fail, may we return over and over again to our Lord, to the sacrament, to his means of grace. In Jesus' name, amen. The grace, peace, and mercy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, keep you in the one true faith to life everlasting. Amen. Please stand.